Hello, hello, hello. Uh, man, I feel like it's been such a long time since uh, I've been able to churn out episodes one after the other, week after week, but I think we're finally, I'm finally getting back in the groove of that, and I'm so excited to bring you this conversation with Sarah Bowen today. Um, but first, I have a couple updates, and um, I just want to say thanks to everybody who stopped by the table at Evolving Faith in Denver a couple weeks ago. It meant so much to hear some of you say that you look forward to hearing Lord Have Mercy each week and um, you have listened to all the episodes and, you know, sometimes when I'm doing this work, I kind of forget that <laughs> there's actually people tuning in. So um, thank you from the bottom of my heart for making yourself known because um, it, it's inspiring and it, you know, makes this, uh, this work um, a bit more homey, a bit more roomy when I know that there is actually community out there. Um, another thing I wanted to say just about me personally is I actually found a church. And um, for those of you who've been listening to this podcast for a while know that I have been trying to find a church for a very long time. Um, but I feel so comfortable and so excited and happy and at home there as well. So um, if you're ever in Philadelphia, you can find me at Tabernacle United Church in West Philly. Um, please stop by and say hi. Um, I actually think that um, I'll be having this, the kick-ass lady lesbian pastor who also plays the drums on Lord Have Mercy soon, so stay tuned. Um, and now I will let you know about some, uh, some, of, some, some things from our sponsors. I am so excited to tell you that we are sponsored by Faith in Public Life. And uh, our friends at Faith in Public Life are circulating two petitions right now. The first is to push Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and every other senator to act on gun violence and end mass shootings. You know, this is an epidemic in our country, and uh, Faith in Public Life is putting the power in your hands uh, to do something about it. So senators must act now to, excuse me, to free us from fear. Our family, our friends, and our neighbors shouldn't have to live in danger. The link to the petition is in the show notes, and you can visit their website at faithinpubliclife.org. That's faithinpubliclife.org. The second petition is um, about what is happening in the presidency right now. Um, President Trump is on the brink. An impeachment inquiry has already begun. It's underway. And now it's a chance for Congress to do their job and follow the truth. You can join our friends at Faith in Public Life to demand that Congress fulfill its constitutional responsibility. No one is above the law. Sign the letter on the website, that's faithinpubliclife.org, or check it out in the show notes because I'll definitely have both of those uh, petitions there. And I'll be so thrilled if you, uh, if you take a moment to jump online and sign those. Um, let's get to the show. Lord Have Mercy, a podcast about God, sex, and the Bible. I'm your host, Crystal Cheatham, and today on the show we have Sarah Bowen. Man, Sarah Bowen is a member of One Spirit Interfaith Seminary's academic staff, the Spiritual Directors International, and several recovery communities. She is the best-selling author of the award-winning book, Void of Detached, 
seeking modern spirituality through my father's old sermons, and newly released follow-up title, Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. Sarah seeks to help others connect with their higher power of their own understanding in whatever way is meaningful to each. And I just found her words to be <laughs> amazing um, and way less angry and more sensical than mine. So I really hope you embrace this discussion and walk away with some lessons as I did. Um, and now, Sarah. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows that I heartily approve of curse words. Okay. <laughs> and I'm and that poem in your in your book got me so fast. Can I read it? Which one? <laughs> the first one. The very first one. The yes. F word poem. It was so great. <laughs> I never think of it as a poem. I love that. I'm now going to call it the F word poem. It is. It's like it's uh, got in your honor, Crystal. It's now the F word poem. I love it. This is me doing a curtsy to you. You can't see, but there we have it. Okay. The F word, it started with the F word. Not the highly charged four-letter fuck. Not the saintly five-letter faith. It started with the force. Because in the beginning, there was the word. You have so many giant balls to start a, uh, a book on shedding your religious rigidity with a poem like that. It's very badass, and I totally admire it. Um, it must have taken you a lot to transform into somebody who both wrote a, a spiritual book um, coming from um, your background. So I'm really interested in learning about your, your kind of transition. Sure. Um, yeah, it... <laughs> It's funny because you know I was I was raised a Presbyterian preacher's kid um, in the Midwest, and in the you know in the late seventies and the eighties and all of this stuff that was going down. And I had this wonderful dad. You know when I say that I'm a preacher's kid, people sometimes have this kind of view of like footloose or that kind of thing. But I had this great dad who was really involved in social activism and in um, community building and just doing a lot of wonderful things. But for some reason, I felt like I couldn't bring what was going on inside of me into that. Hmm. You know, I had this idea of what it meant to be Christian, what it meant to be a good daughter, what it meant to be, you know, I had all this, this what I call sacred trash, right? I had yeah. all these kind of beliefs about what that meant. And and I didn't think I, I measured up or I fit up to it. You know, I I didn't know what was going on with me sexually, um, yeah. <laughs> right. Didn't know. Uh, you know, I liked girls, um, but I didn't know that you could. What? You know, it wasn't it wasn't today. Right. Yeah. It, it was, you know, it was the early 80s. And we were very focused at that time on male homosexuality mm -hmm. um, because of the AIDS crisis. Right. And there just wasn't that that space for me um, to be able to you know, say I'm bi. Um, I also grew up with the alcoholics, for, uh, the genes for alcoholism. Hmm. But we didn't talk about that. Yeah. Um, you know, we, it was part of my mother's narrative. Um, you know, so so I had all these questions. I had all these questions, and I, and I also found myself really, really attracted to other faiths other than just my church, or even other churches that weren't in my denomination. I, I was such a seeker from a young age. I, I wanted to experience everything, so I didn't know what to do anything with all of that. So I left. Of course you did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm, 
I'm amazed that um, that maybe you didn't leave sooner. It sounds like this is something that happened in when you were a teenager. Well, puberty, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the time when we talk about God's sex in the Bible, right? You know, it, it's puberty. We start trying to work that stuff out. You know, I think I didn't. I didn't leave sooner because, you know, I loved my dad and I loved our church. It really hmm. did. I, I did not have the experience of having a, um, I guess a lot of the work, I'm trying to find the words for it. A lot of the, the stuff was internalized for me. And and I didn't have the ability to start speaking up about it. But, but my church was doing a lot of good stuff. And that's the quandary, right? Yeah. When you have organizations that are doing a lot of wonderful things, but you're not sure if you're accepted or you're not sure if you're fit and you're being told you don't fit in or you don't look right. You know, I had blue hair. I had a mohawk. I had the yeah. combat boots. Right. That kind of thing. Very cool. And <laughs> so, so I think I drifted away more than some of my friends who had the big kind of I'm out of here. Yeah. Explosion. For me, it was more of a drift. Was Is your entire family um, Presbyterian or conservative? That's a good question. Um, so my mother, uh, still attends a Presbyterian church and my sister is a, a bit more of, uh, like me, we consider ourselves Christian plus and yeah. in the plus, I mean, plus everything. Yeah. Um, so I went from having, you know, kind of having no religion to having all religions. Mm. And so I find that I can kind of come in and out of different spaces now and look at each different religion as a different language, yeah. a different expression of God. And my sister's a little bit in the same boat. My my father, unfortunately, passed away very quickly hmm. at age 65. Wow. And my inheritance, because, you know, preachers are rich, right? <laughs> uh, my inheritance was 1,500 sermons. Yeah. And I was angry. I was really angry at God. I was really angry at the church. I was really angry at my father for leaving. And so I guess my my journey back to reclaim, to deconstruct and reclaim, started with with those sermons, receiving those at his death. I mean, it, okay, so did he leave them in his will? Like, how did you stumble across these sermons? No, you no, know, he didn't <laughs> like, actually. Or, or maybe he did, no, but it wasn't written there. Um, what happened was someone called me uh, from the church and said, you know, we have all these boxes now these aren't discs, right, Crystal? Yeah. These are these are Manila folders with typed sermons in them, and they say we uh. have all these boxes of this. And what do you want us to do with them? And I thought that's my dad's life. You know, uh, I need it. And I was in this tiny little you know apartment in uh, in Manhattan, and you know the next thing I knew, I had like ten big boxes of sermons because that was my dad's life. And you started to read them. Well, not at first. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I started to read them once I got sober. I'm a 12-stepper, right? Okay. So my way back um, includes the 12 steps. And, you know, I kept seeing the word God come up, and I was really pissed at God, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I did not want to have anything to do with this. and But I had to. 12-step makes you deal with it. You've, you're going to have to You're gonna have to deal with those questions. And so I, uh, I started reading them, and it was so funny. I, I was doing this kind of thing with the folders where, like, this one had too much of that, so I put it over there. I'm not going to read that. That one, like this one has way too much stuff that I don't want to read. This one I will read. That one I won't. And I started this process of sorting out hmm. my belief. Right. Wow. And, and, yeah, it was really fascinating. I, it ended up becoming my first book. Yeah. Um, and that won a Nautilus Award. I like to say I tied Rob Bell 
So there you go. Um, so he, <laughs> that is amazing. That was amazing. He, his What's in the Bible and My Void of Detach uh, tied for a Nautilus, which was just beautiful yeah. because we're from towns not far from each other as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that it was kind of an interesting journey back into what does my Christianity look like? Yeah, not many people get the chance to actually um, sort out uh, the tangle of the theological and um, the the dogma, in a, to sort all that out in a tangible way, um, which means that what you got to do is pretty priceless. Um, it really was. It took seven years, though, Crystal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, took, well. <laughs> it, took, it took seven years. It took, it took a long time. My second book took seven months, right? But, but it does take a lot of time to detangle that because we have so much wrapped up. Right. And what does it mean if I if I toss out some of these beliefs or what does it mean if I don't believe the same thing as my neighbor does or the person sitting next to me in the pew or the person on Instagram? You know, how how can we how can we still um, relate with each other when our edges rub up against each other? Yeah, it is a really hard process. Um, It's actually something that I've been wrestling with as I uh, lead our Bible app and figure out um, who to publish and not to publish. And um, we have a giant uh, slush pile um, and people will just submit things that they think, you know, uh, are meditative materials and should be in the app. Um, And sometimes we come across somebody who's written something that is just fantastic, you know, that Mm. is just um, really reflective and along our policy guidelines. Um, And then, you know, we'll uh, do a little research on them and discover that they are like uh, all over Twitter as a Trump supporter or um, not just a Trump supporter, but also just like these conservative and derogative views of people. And we have, and it's been hard to try to decide where the digital pew starts and ends, you know? Mm. Yeah. (laughs) It is. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) Trying to learn how to love people from that perspective. It is. And it's and also knowing that in our own journeys, or I'll speak for myself in my own journey, um, my beliefs have evolved. Yeah. And I'm I'm certainly not the same person who's believing the same thing as I was at 13. Mm -hmm. Um, And how do we allow space for people to have their journeys evolve? Or to come from a, pa- a place of compassion of, I understand why you are where you are, um, in a way that's not um, arrogant, right? Yeah. That's a real challenge of, you believe A, I believe B. I-, I had this happen with my mother the other night on the phone. I don't eat anything that has a face, mm-hmm. and my mother doesn't understand that, right? Okay. And we can... <laughs> I don't understand what you eat. And I, you know, and I explain like all the side dishes. I eat all the side dishes and I skip, you know, I skip the one called meat. And, you know, but we're in these very, very different places. And how do we, how do we have compassion for each other when our views are against our ethics, our hmm. beliefs? Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, it's, that's tricky, right? Yeah. Spark. If all of us have this divine spark, but mine's clothed in this way and yours is clothed in that way, and I don't like what I'm hearing coming from you, what do I do? Yeah. And one of the, one of, I think the, 
um, foundations of, I guess, maybe all of Christianity, if not just modern Christianity, is that we believe that we are right. And, <laughs> you know, like that's part of it is just, I believe that I am being saved. This is the right way to do it. And anybody else on the other side of this, you know, moral ethical line is obviously wrong. And so we have a hard time not going out and proselytizing and trying to save people. <laughs> which makes that looking down it on is. someone else really hard. It is. And and I think that idea of there is one way that is right is why I drifted from the church more than anything. Because I couldn't understand how we could have a creation full of such beautiful diversity. Yeah. With different skin colors, different hair colors, different heights, different weights, different flavors of ice cream that we love, right? Different things we like to read. And how could there only be one way in this aspect? I agree. Right? It just didn't make sense to me that creation would be created with so much diversity and there would be this one thing. And, you know, so that is really what kind of hightailed me into looking at other religions and ending up, um, I teach at a, a seminary now uh, yeah. in New York City called One Spirit Interfaith, mm -hmm. uh, which is where I was, uh, where I attended and, and was ordained. And they have a perspective called interspirituality. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a path, it's not a religion, but it's a perspective that underneath all the religions that we're all looking for the same things. Right, that we're looking for love and compassion, we're looking for peace, and we're looking for a way to compassionately take care of the world or creation. And we find that in all these different religions. And when I started seeing them and, um, and I started making these connections, I was so excited because then I could go back into the Bible yeah. and I could read with a different perspective. I could read that Jesus said this in this verse, and whoa, look at Buddha said that too, and so did Lao Tzu and the Tao Te Ching. Right. Wow. They're all saying the same thing. Yeah. And I think that's what allowed me to reclaim my Christianity. Hmm. Yeah. You make um, you make a, a, a really uh, you make a, dis a distinguishing difference between spirituality and religion. What what is the main difference for you? And I guess my follow up question to that is where does ritual come in for you? Yeah, isn't that the million-dollar question right now? Yeah. Uh, you know, there were there was a long time when I called myself part of the spiritual but not religious gang, mm -hmm. right? And uh, and I took everything I didn't like about people, and I threw it onto the word religion. Yeah, and that wasn't fair. Uh, but it took me a while to figure that out. It took me a while to figure that out. Mm. And I was speaking one day to a large group of people in recovery, and I introduced myself as spiritual but not religious. And someone came up to me afterwards and said, I need you to know how that feels to me. It feels oh. like you don't you don't say you are redheaded, not blonde. You don't say you are white, not black. You don't oh. say that you are a woman, not a man. Why do you need to say this? Oh. And that was a big deal for me. And I thought, oh, wow. Okay, yeah. And that, that caused me to really relook at this relationship between spirituality and religion. And I think spirituality is what underlies all of it, and I define it for myself as having two parts. Uh, and in the book, uh, my new book, Spiritual Rebel, I define it as having a higher perspective, uh, a deeper perspective, excuse me, a deeper perspective and a higher purpose. And having those two things, that makes my spirituality. Now, my religion is the way I express that. 
So I can express it through Christianity. I can express it through Judaism. I can express, I'm a member of way too many religious houses. That is amazing. That's how I express it. And so I may have rituals um, that I express it. I may express through prayer, through meditation, Mm -hmm. through liturgy, through preaching, through writing. Um, That's what ended up uh, causing me to write the second book is I realized there were all these other ways of of expressing my my spirituality through all these different worlds, religions. And I put a book together so that people could try those. Yeah. Right. For not just just in one. There's so many ways to pray. There are. Right. You can pray out in the forest. We can pray through forest bathing. We can pray through Visio Divina. We can pray through all these other ways. And um, so I think for me, did that answer like the religion spirituality thing? Yeah. Like you just took it like a whole a whole other place. I'm still stuck on um, religion being a way that you express your spirituality. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, it, right? Right? Because what I was taught as a young child was religion was something where you kind of bought into one house. Yeah. Right? You 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 said it's this way and that means the other people aren't uh they don't know. Yep. <laughs> oh, bless your heart, you don't know. You are right? monogamous to this one religion. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I'm spiritually promiscuous. <laughs> I really Polly. am. Promiscuous is also pretty great. I am because I just think like God gave us all these wonderful ways to connect with it, he, she, they, whatever name that we call it. And in the end of the book, I started collecting names. And so in the end of the book of Spiritual Rebel, Mm. I have a list of 200 names. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, you know, if we have baggage with the G word, some of us do, some Mm -hmm. of us do. Are there other ways of expressing that? And for me, like you said, with the starting with the F word today, yeah. for me, it was, it was the force for a long time. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, I grew up in Star Wars in the 80s, right? And the force was uh, benevolent. I, I love the magical way that you, that I mean, the way that you're able to use magic and sci-fi and fairy tale to help understand um, the, way that, that, the way that you feel religion and spirituality or spirituality informing religion. You hit the important word there, Crystal, which is feel. Mm. It's the experience for me in, in my journey, it's the experience of connecting and that's connecting uh, with the divine. That's connecting with you, you know, in our crazy little meeting of your zebra and my unicorn. I know. Right? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, these, these ways of, of, of connecting, it's the experience. And, and I think that we, we share the same feelings when we're connecting. What gets us tripped up is when we start trying to pummel each other with our beliefs. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in uh, community. And I just feel like community is, is everything. Community is everything. I feel that with community, we can overcome some of the, the, the biggest demons that are threatening our world, if not just America today. So I feel like with community, we can overcome the uh, disparities of capitalism. With community, we can um, learn to embrace the other. I mean, it, it, you tap into something that is so strong in my spirit and strong in my work um, when you talk about togetherness. Yeah. It is because, you know, what I'm observing is that we have a really strong wellness culture right now, Mm -hmm. right? 
right? Everybody wants to be healthy. You know, we look at some of the book titles that are selling, you know, you're a badass and I'm a super attractor and, you know, all these kind of different, these different ways that we're, we're doing wellness. Um, that's really important. It's important for us to be healthy and it's important for us to be strong. And, um, I've got mental stuff in my past too, right? So we can go down that road. Um, but we need to be well, but spirituality takes us into the we space and wellness sometimes is very much in the me space Hmm. and we can't, I don't think that we can do what the world needs to, to lift up and to help people that are oppressed or marginalized or whose voices are not being heard when we're only in the space of me. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, and we're trying to do that. We're trying to connect. And I think we're in this digital frontier right now where we're trying to figure out how to connect with depth. Yes. Right. Would you agree? I mean, I think your the Bible app, our Bible app, is just phenomenal for that as well. Of trying to Thank take you. it into deeper conversations than I saw a meme with a great little spiritual quote and I clicked on it. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah. There I am. <laughs> All right. Which not to rip on the meme people. I love the memes, right? They Especially have a place. They've got cats on them, right? They have a place. <laughs> yes. um, they're snippets. Yeah. They're snippets. Um, but we need to be having these deep conversations with each other well, about this. I think what the app does is that it tries to tackle that huge problem of distance, of feeling isolated when we are just one person in a small town or in a church who is suddenly waking up to these new thoughts and feelings and doesn't have the person in the pew next to them to say, hey, how do you feel about women in leadership? I feel like there's nothing here and it's really getting my goat. You know, like the the what I feel like the digital world is able to do is connect us to the person all the way in LA from Philadelphia and allow us to create community. The only thing that I, I feel like we, we need to figure out a way to tackle is sharing that physical space. Um, but I, I wanted to uh, circle back a little bit to, to spirituality and something you said earlier. Sure. Um, you are such a powerful speaker and presence when it comes to deconstruction and reconstruction and holding this interfaith space. And I feel that so many people will will say, I mean, just like you were saying with this, um, you, I, I identify as spiritual but not religious and somebody was uh, a little hurt by that. Um, do you, how do you, how do you feel when people say that, that being interfaith or being able to hold all of these, these religions, uh, in your arms ha- is uh, is wishy-washy like that that is that is <laughs> right that's constantly the thing that that yeah. is in the back of my head when i try to make um the spaces i own more interfaith <laughs> yeah yeah you know there's so many different words wishy-washy commitment shallow fellow, yeah shallow spiritual smorgasbord but you, you have know, a very deep experiences things. with all of these uh religions I, yeah so i think i think the difference for me is that um, what I'm what I'm really trying to connect to is the experience of connection. So that can be done in these different ways. It's just like okay, so you 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 need to eat, right? You, we need to eat, yeah. and so you know, one day you eat Italian, and one day you eat Chinese, and the other okay. uh, day you eat Caribbean, right? You're still getting food. It's packaged a little differently. It's still nourishing you very much. Still so. nourishing you. Okay. So there's a key word right there, Crystal, which is nourish. Mm-hmm. 
So what I'm finding is that I can be nourished spiritually and I can connect to God in all these different places in a very deep way. I think that for some people, um, there is a link for them between their religion and certainty. And that certainty becomes very important. Mm -hmm. Um, I happen to not be a person, to be a person who doesn't really need to be certain. Um, So, you know, and and there are two different kind of views, right? So I remember reading a quote at the beginning of my journey by um, the theologian Paul Tillich. And he said that doubt is not the opposite of faith. Doubt is an element of faith. Yes. And there was a shift for me in there of that this isn't about how firmly I believe. For me, this is not how firmly I believe and how grasping I am at my beliefs. It's how, how loving and compassionate and connected can I be? Yeah. So that that's that's really where I'm trying to hang my hat. So in the in the inter, inner faith, inner spiritual, um, I find that when we when we are in spaces together, that the most effective thing for us to do is practice together. Hmm. It's not to, it's not to be focused on the belief side. It's to be focused on the practice side. So can we pray together? Can we meditate together? Can we sing together? Yeah those things. And that takes us into a place. But but I do understand that there are people for whom belief is the strongest piece. Mm-hmm. And that's their particular journey. Right. Um, and everyone's got a different way that they're doing this, you know, one mountain, many paths. Yeah. And, you know, so so I'm not knocking people who, you know, who, for them, that is a, a strong criteria for them. I just think that it, it makes it hard sometimes um, if we need everybody to believe the same way that we do, it makes it hard for us to understand each other. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. There's just so much to think about there. You had me doing a, a couple mental um, somersaults. <laughs> mental gymnastics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because the, te- the teachings are the same. And that's what happened to me when I started to go to Interfaith Seminary is, you know, I kind of walked in not knowing much about these other religions. Yeah. Right. I knew a little snapshot. Right. I, I knew a little stereotype. You know, I, 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 I was looking at it all from one frame point. And, and then when I started to learn from people, I was like, wait, wait, that's the same. That's the same in my birth religion. Wow. Yeah. That, that, that word is the same, too. Huh. What is that about? Um, you know, so I think that's what started my mental gymnastics hmm. uh, was was that. And then being able to go and um, to, to talk what I love to do, and I see you do too with your podcast, hmm. is let's talk to each other. Yeah. Let's talk to each other. Let's, um, you know, let's let's go out into these other spaces. In the in the book Spiritual Rebel, I call it sacred space crashing. Ah, uh, yes. Right? Let's go to other places. Let's go to other places where people worship and let's just see what that's like. Hmm. I could listen to you talk about this forever. Don't be surprised if I show up at One Spirit <laughs> Interfaith Seminary someday, well, book in well, hand. That, you just, you just gave me an opportunity to, to do a little plug, if I may. Yeah. On uh, January 26th. I'm doing a full day workshop on this yeah. and it's open to the public and it's um, it's available by Zoom, super interactive Zoom and also in person in New York City. But if people are interested in that, if they're listening, uh, if they go to spiritual-rebel.com, 
yeah. and click on workshops. There's some info there and it doesn't require you to have any particular belief system and it's open to people of all faiths. Mm-hmm. If you want to come and have some juicy conversation and talk about what's going on in, in modern spirituality. What's the, what's the website again? It's spiritual-rebel.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then there's a tab uh, for workshops. Okay. I'm going to add that to our uh, show notes. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be yeah. great. Yeah. Um, so we, you, you're able to talk um, very eloquently about um, deconstruction. Um, and I am only halfway through your book, uh, Spiritual Rebel. But um, it honestly, and, and I'm so thankful and so excited that you submitted a, uh, a devotional for us that we're featuring this week called Embracing Spiritual Re- Rebelliousness, which kind of feels like an amuse-bouche to <laughs> your book, <laughs> right? It, it is. It is. I tried to pull a little bit a little bit from it for the seven days. It was just a delight to write. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the, the platform that you are opening up to us you know, to look at scripture, to to look at beliefs, to look at our, our deconstruction, our reframing, our whatever words we're putting around this, yeah. um, in these really, um, I don't want to say obscure, because that's not the right word, but just um, in these very specialized kind of ways where, um, you know, I, what, I love the, uh, the devotional done on, on disabilities. Yeah. Uh, right or the devotional done on, you know how how do, how do we reframe from this perspective? And so what I tried mm-hmm. to do in the seven days I gave you was, was give you a little bit of that inner spiritual perspective of mm-hmm. you know how can you be deeply rooted in your in your Christian tradition, but open to experiencing everything the world has to offer. Yeah, and you call that like releasing of old theological beliefs, sacred trash piles. And I, I do, right? <laughs> I love that because it honors what you have held to be sacred. You know, like it's it's still yeah. an important thing to lay down, but it also served us. Yeah. It served us when we needed it, right? That's what I think sometimes when we dismiss it and we call things bullshit. Yeah. Which I try not to do. Mm. Um, you know, something is it served those beliefs served me and in some ways those beliefs kept me safe. Yeah. For a while, but now right? they're trash. But now they're not needed anymore, yeah. and so you know they're they're honoring them, sacred trash. We honor it. We say thank you for holding me when I needed you. Um, but I'm ready to grow. Yeah, and that that growth period is just it all always feels so like naked and vulnerable. Um, you use the the quote from I think a friend, "Who will I be?" Yeah, that's yes. terrifying. <laughs> yes, it is. Who will I be? The next if step. I, if I let Ugh. these, if I let these beliefs down. Right? Yeah. Especially because I think, when coming from um, the Christian space, not even just a conservative Christian space, but the Christian space, it feels like anything on the other end of um, devout attention to the religion of your youth is heathenism you know it feels like there is no gray area there is no there is nothing outside of the circle which makes it even more terrifying well because we make these circles we make circles to keep ourselves safe Mm -hmm. 
and and we make our circles around people who believe the same way we do um, so that we can be safe and we can feel safe. Yeah. Um, but what it does is it closes us, ourselves off to other viewpoints and yeah. it clo- and it also creates the us them. It creates the us them. And, you know, one of the things I did in the devotional um, is I used, I quoted from um, the Gospel of John with I and the Father am one, mm-hmm. which for me is this place of I can be connected with God in that same relationship. And so I can be in this space of, of deep, deep connection in this way that Jesus was in deep, deep connection with God as well. Yeah. And so there's a lot of different ways for us to, you know, we don't read the Bible without interpreting. No one yeah. does. Mm-hmm. We all interpret. We all, we, <laughs> those of us who've had enough theology classes know we're always bringing ourselves to mm-hmm. our interpretation. And so, you know, just having that space of, you know, when I look at Jesus and, I, and I've looked at him from so at, at him from so many different perspectives and in so many different books and from so many different traditions and and looking at how inclusive Jesus was, mm-hmm. how inclusive his table was how inclusive his teachings were. And how did we come from a place of this radical inclusivity yeah. to a place of it's, it's this way or the highway? Yeah. You know, and there's a lot, and we could spend hours on talking about how that happened, you know, yeah. and um, those of us, <laughs> you know, who, who, who are scripture nerds and church history nerds, we mm-hmm. can go down that road. Um, but I, I think for me, Christianity, my, my Christianity goes back to what did Jesus say? And, and what was that intention? What was the intention? And yeah. it, I believe it was radical inclusivity. And I think that's what you're doing with the app, too. Thank you. But then it, it, it makes it gets a sticky point, though, right? Because what do I do with the people that I believe their beliefs are harming? Yeah. What do I do with them? I don't know, man. I'm still I, <laughs> trying to figure it out. Well, that's okay. That's that's where it is. And I think part of it for me is how do I separate um, beliefs from um, from people? Because our beliefs change. So mm-hmm. we are not our beliefs. We mm-hmm. have beliefs. Uh, but our beliefs change. So they're not permanent. And so how can I look at the person with love and compassion um, but still hold the beliefs as ones that I think are harming? You know, yeah. that that's that's the challenge for me. And I'm 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 buoyed by the work Desmond Tutu's done around that, mm-hmm. um, where we look at truth and reconciliation movements, where we look at liberation theology, um, some of these places. And and I think that's the that's the real challenge right now. That's the real challenge, especially coming from a Christian viewpoint, is who is my neighbor? <sighs> that's really hard. And because uh... I think for me as an out lesbian, it's always been that old love the sinner, hate the sin. And that translates into hold on to your beliefs no matter what happens um, and and uh, look down on the person who is obviously doing wrong, but figure out a way to love them anyway. You know, there there's just so much more baggage in the way, um, but it sounds like the way that you perceive loving people um, and stepping over that, you know, that uh, <laughs> that theoretical circle that we talked about is more like, yeah. you know, we have this 
this sacred tie, this umbilical cord tied to God. Like we're not going to get separated from God, which means that no matter where we move, whether it be into a place we consider to be darkness or not, doesn't mean that we are going to be um, unattached from this very holy and 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 all-consuming presence. Absolutely, and and if that's the case, right? And 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 the the love the sinner, hate the sin thing. I I don't know. I I, I struggle up against that because mm-hmm. you know the word hate is not a word I like to have in my vocabulary. Right. First off, right? It's just not a useful word for me. Um. So so when I think about it, what one of the things I was taught in spiritual counseling in my in when I I did some training in that is the idea of holding the vision of someone's wholeness. Mm-hmm. And I don't get to choose what that wholeness looks like, right? I don't get to be like, your wholeness is if you get rid of this, this, and this, and you add this, this, and this, and blah, 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 blah. But to hold the vision of that there is a possibility of you being in your wholeness in your relationship with God, right? Um, and so it's it's this way of, of still being able to be an activist in the world, for me to still be able to be, um, you know, I hate the word fighting for, but advocating for the change I want to see, right? Advocating for the change that I want to see, um, understanding there are differences of opinions, understanding that there is there is some connection, uh, but trying to get to the place where I'm not just holding people out away from me in a place of hate. Yeah. There's just nowhere to go there. There's just nowhere to go. And if I if everyone is connected to God, well, they are too. Yeah. They are too. So, you know, it's not mine to – yeah, I, I love reading – have you ever read uh, Abraham Heschel's The Prophets? No. Oh, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. That's a good one to stick on the book list. <laughs> okay. Because, you, you know, you look – God, I love The Prophets, right? I love The Prophets. I love Job. Oh, I love Job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but ha- because it's talking about that, right? What do we do when we're pissed? What do we do when we're just angry at people? Uh, what do we do when we see harm happening? We see oppression happening. What do we do, right? Yeah. And part of that is this yelling, <laughs> but there's also a need for um, for understanding that perhaps God has divine pathos as well, mm. and you know, is kind of looking at us saying, you know, what the hell are y'all doing? Come on. Yes. What the hell are y'all doing? Right, what are we so. doing? So we just cracked open a whole bunch of things, and I we don't know did. That, That's that we can answer any no. of them. Um, but I do think that that the goal, the goal needs to be compassion. Um, the goal needs to be love. How we get there, I don't yeah. know. It's 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 individual, and that's our that's our task. That's that higher purpose piece. Uh, what's what's Crystal's piece to do? What's my piece to do? My piece yes. involves trying to make sure that we bring all beings into the circle. Yeah. Not just doing it with people. And I think that discussing it and talking about it, even if there isn't um, an answer found at the end of the discussion, is part of how we get there. Yeah, um, totally. Talking about it, putting it out in the open, um, and inviting other people to jump in. Yeah. It sounds like you have done quite a lot of evolving from the time <laughs> of you know living under your father's house yeah. and going to your father's church. And yeah. I'm wondering how your, your views on sex and sexuality have evolved Um, because if you're able to to even talk at the top of the podcast a little bit about you know knowing that you are attracted to women I mean that is that is everything I mean (laughs) 
I'm one of those people who kind of doesn't believe anybody's straight. So <laughs> just to get anybody to talk about their, um, their yeah. own personal journey is one thing, but I'm curious about your evolution. Well, you know, it's so funny. I, I remember being a kid and in the church and, you know, I would skip church and my sister and I would go and hold our own church services in my dad's office and take like other kids quarters and put them in his pipe box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had this whole thing going, you know, so I should have known that I'd end up, you know, with a reverend in front of my name, but <laughs> you know, who knows? Um, but I remember we had a woman who, um, you know, this was, this is the seventies. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is the mid seventies. And, you know, we had the stereotypical woman with the short hair on the staff mm-hmm. who was kind of the church's lesbian, right? Okay. And I didn't have the internet, right? Yeah. And, um, and I, didn't, I had, didn't have any other, you know, views of what was, was going on. Did she, I'm sorry. And, did she also have a lot of keys? That's also like a lesbian <laughs> thing from the 70s. Is it really? Because I have so many keys. Oh right? God, so yes. Keys, keys on do. your belt. Boots. Oh, I do. I do. I use a like a hiking, <laughs> a hiking carabiner, and I, I, I put them on. But if you're watching American Horror Story, yeah, right now, okay, that'll reframe keys for us because right, Mr. Jingles, like, the, the serial killer uses. A I love that you're watching that show. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love the sci-fi and I love slasher films. Oh, I admit it. But I, um, you know, so I didn't have a, I didn't have any role models for healthy. Um, lesbianism or bisexuality or anything, right? So what ended up for me is I became the girl age 13 through 30 who uh, who drank um, and then kissed girls while she was drunk, hmm. but dated boys. Okay. I was totally fragmented. Um, I did what I thought I was supposed to be doing on the outside. Um, I found that it was okay for me and, and the boys I was dating thought it was okay if I kissed girls while I was dating them because that was hot, you know, blah, 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 that whole stuff. Right. And so there was just a mess. It was a mess for me of of trying to untangle it. Um, and you know, I, it wasn't until I was sober that I started to untangle it and look at it. And, um, you know, I had some alt behavior that was going on too, right. Some of that stuff in that space. And, um, and I just didn't know what to do with it. And it really, fra- it, it really became unfragmented for me when I went through seminary. Because one of the women who started our seminary um, was a gay woman who was very, very out and very involved in, in LGBTQ activism. And so one of the things they, they did in our, our seminary is we had an opportunity one day where they played a song and they said, we'd like to invite anybody who identifies as LGBTQIA+++++ come up and dance. Huh. Come up and dance and be seen in front of your peers. And I was like, what? <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> okay, so I'm in my 40s, right? I'm in my 40s. And, and I realized like, okay, fine, let's do this. Wow. Let's do this sober. Because I'm fine saying I'm bi while I'm drunk. Yeah. Um, but what does that mean, sober? And so and in I front of people, there, and in front of all these people, and I got up there and oh, I danced my heart out. Oh my goodness! Um, yes. And then that was when I, you know, and I'm married to a man. Yeah. I'm married to a man in a very loving, wonderful, healthy relationship. Um, but like I say in the book, um, I realized that at a very young age, I was very attracted to both Han Solo and Princess Leia. <laughs> both of them. Yes. It just took a long time for me to be able to voice it. And what I am um, 
people who, who may be younger than I am, who are listening to this podcast, um, who have the freedom, right? We have much more freedom now to be able to explore all of these different spaces than we did. Um, and I'm thrilled. I am thrilled that we can look at all these different expressions of sexuality right now. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like and be able to, and not everyone can. You know, it depends on what space you're in. So we need to honor, I think I'll wrap this up because I could go on and on and on, Crystal. But um, I think we need to honor that not everybody can be out, that not everybody has had that internal journey yet, um, and that that also is a journey of of trying to come to grasp of what does this mean and sometimes you know i find uh i work a booth for the pride festival in new york city every year for for a seminary and it's awesome and it's also there are moments where i go wow yeah okay you know i still have my moments of wow (laughs) on the street yeah that's pride that's what wow right and 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 that's where I, you know, I have to look at my own stuff on how I was raised, Yeah, how I was raised. Um, but we, we need to also be gentle. We need to be gentle for people on their journeys out because it's not always easy. Um, it's not always easy. Yeah, it isn't. Yeah. It really isn't. And I think the, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to watch um, The Family or, you know, that, that, uh. I haven't yet. It's in my list. Yeah. Um, But this is something, I mean, everything in that documentary is something that I and Soul Force had been talking about for a long time. Like, there is a conspiracy out there, guys. And, you know, there is a group of people who are controlling the way that we um, consume and digest religion and religiosity in this country. Um, But I say that all to just... Uh, nail home the point that religion has been used to smother people's natural urges and desires and essences with sex and sexuality for such a long time um, that it those those um, those uh, I those things that we that we don't like in the person next to us have been have been there for a long time and they've also been. Um, compounded by um, these cultural norms, you know, and having to overcome them. I mean, it is really, it's still really hard for me, you know, sometimes I do identify as, uh, as a conservative person. um, And other times I'm like, man, I'm just so liberal and out there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right. And can you be both? And can 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 I be be both? both? Which is, which is what I love about Taoism. If we look at the yin yang symbol, right, yeah. which everyone everyone's familiar with, you have a you have a circle of black in the white, mm-hmm. and you have a circle of white in the black, and you know I love that that visual representation of can we be both? Can it depend on the can it depend on the topic? Can it depend on the yeah. day? Can you know can my views? <sighs> some of my views have changed, you know, a lot, and I don't know if I can call myself I I, I resist calling myself either conservative or liberal. Yeah. I have no freaking idea. Yeah. Ask me which topic. (laughs) You know, and then I'll tell you my viewpoint on it. But I I feel like any time that I label myself, well, you know, then I'm labeling myself as I'm different from you. Yeah, we do need to be able to hold both. And even the fact that you're you're using the word um, yin-yang and immediately I thought – 
well, <clears throat> well, my father told me that was witchcraft, you know? And I'm like, where did that come from? It's just, it's in there. There's all of these, all of these things. Yeah. It's, it's... Well, and they, we've been told, we have been told a lot of things too. Um, wow. You know, Christians were told a lot of things about doing yoga, right? Or meditating, even though centering prayer and meditation are this, you know, very, very much the same thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we were told a lot of things and I think that's that going back to that sacred trash yeah. and going back to our own experience. What is my own experience of that? And um, what is, you know, where am I willing to, to really look to my connection with God as being the one who answers things for me? Yeah. Right. And, and because, you know, we also, you know, we got that Jungian shadow thing going too, right? Where we point at somebody else and go, I don't like that person looking who does that? Yeah, and then you know you do a little growth, you do a little um, little spiritual journey, and you realize, oh, I don't like that in them because I do that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Damn uh, those mirror people! Oh my goodness! Okay. Can yeah, I tell I you a secret? Too. Oh, please do, please do to all of the listeners. <laughs> to all of the listeners. <laughs> to there, there. I have a pattern with my favorite people. And my favorite people usually come into my life and they will sit right next to me at the office or at school or something. And I will just, my hairs will go up and I'll be like, I don't like that human. That human <laughs> is trash. And then like a couple weeks or a couple months down the line, I realize that they are my favorite human. And like, it, yeah, it's, it has to be this like repulsion of... <laughs> of myself but this hat this has happened so many times in my life that I just have to find it funny now when um right? when don't I, you have to realize now now we should be so wise to know like the person that makes our hair stand up is going to be a bestie yes <laughs> I remember don't be having afraid in, in seminary where I had this adorable adorable little blonde girl with the with the big cross and the and the turquoise cross belt and the cowboy shoes and the and she was all up in just the most beautiful prayer and she was like you know the christian like ideal right this beautiful christian and i remember looking across at her because i was still working out my issues reading my dad's sermons mm -hmm. you know and all this kind of stuff and looking at her and going i don't like that uh-uh because she's not yep. gonna like me bye Mm -hmm. You know, and I had I laid all this stuff at, on her. Yeah. She's not going to like me because of this. She's not going to like me because of that. You know, and wouldn't you know, we get paired up together, and <laughs> um, and when you know, and and that beautiful soul, my friend Shelley, is the one who taught me how to reclaim prayer mm -hmm. as a very very important practice for me. I had you know I had stopped praying when my dad died, mm -hmm. and um, and became this wonderful and and turns out huge LGBTQ advocate. Wow! Right, mm -hmm. <laughs> and all of this, and I had laid all of this junk on her, and uh, and and now I have this beautiful friendship with her, and and I'm able to really, uh, really dig into my. And she's a Christian yogi, hmm. so she's a, she's a deep, deep, beautiful reverend. Um, who also helps people through through yoga as a way of, you know, also doing the, you know, the body as our temple, um, being able to keep our body, mind, soul together. What's and she teaches yoga in a in a church. What's her name? And her name is uh, is Shelly, and she's in New Hampshire, and she's just fabulous. That's awesome. We have to yeah. surround ourselves with good people. How else do we, we get do. through? And, and I think, you know, I, I'm a little leery 
of, you know, being told something is witchcraft or something is from the devil or something's right. going to bring on demons or that all feels like very old language mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Um, and it feels like something that, you know, I got to tell you, I'm a rebel. So I'm going to go and check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to check it out and see if there's any demons over there. Um, <laughs> hey, I, Yo, I'm me too. I will be. I'm a recovering right alcoholic. Let me tell you about demons. Okay. Yeah. I know demons. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think we've got to be careful about the things that are foreign to us or might be a little scary to us as labeling them. Um, as some of these things. I think that's why I've been able to watch American Horror Story because I finally laid all that nonsense down. Um, you know, like how can a how can this be um, demonic or 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 you know uh, get into my heart and lead me astray when it's just a television show and it's comedy, you know, and it's you know the the whole gimmick is to make you afraid and. It, it is uh, somebody making up what they think, uh, you know, a demon would do or a demon would look like. and Yeah, well, it's – it's well, and, and on the other hand, so I would say yes and because mm-hmm. uh, I'm a Libra, right? Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> your whole spirit. Died. Yeah, what's oh, your Enneagram? God. Everything's anyway. by over here. Everything's by. Yes. Um, but, the, you know, the these – there's also a place where I remember being very sick. I remember being drowning in alcoholism, drowning in hypomania and manic depression. Uh, what we, we might put a byword on that one too. Um, drowning in all of these things, and what I was consuming at that time was not helpful. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes when we're centered in our faith, and we can see those things as um, as entertainment. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can, right? But but I can see the view that if we're not in a good place mentally, yeah, that what we consume can can hurt us in certain ways. Um, and if we're, you know, if I'm drowning in model and lyrics, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and I'm really in the in doing consuming things that are encouraging my depression, it's not demons, so yeah. to speak. But it may not be the healthiest for me. Like American Horror Story, there was one season I couldn't watch. Oh, my God, the clown. The clown was terrible. Had to stop watching it. (laughs) Me Um, too. And and I realized at that point, this is not healthy for me. This is scaring me. My dreams are not good. I'm going to put this away and hope they don't do this shit again next season, <laughs> which they have not. Uh, so I think uh, there, uh, Rabbi Schechter Shalomi, who I'm a big fan of, he's a guy who kind of launched the Jewish renewal movement, used mm-hmm. to say, um, the mind is like tofu. Yeah. Be careful what you marinate it in. Mm. And so I think that that's important. I think we have to have discernment. Um on, on what we're what we're putting in there, and if, if I got enough, yeah. if I've got enough meditation to balance out my American Horror Story, good, let's do yeah. it. <laughs> well, protect your heart for it's the wellspring of life, right? Like we definitely yeah. have to be mindful of what we put in. That's right, um, and what we spew out at either at, at yeah. others, mm-hmm. at others, and I think that's really the point right now is. Um, and what I'm trying to talk about in, in Spiritual Rebel is is this idea of rebellion is not just about fighting. It's not just about otherizing or setting myself up as I'm right, you're wrong, I, I have the right ethics, you have the wrong ethics. It, it, we have to transcend that judgment of right-wrong in a way um, to to be able to look at how do we get 
where we want to go, where we're treating each other with compassion. Yeah. Because if I just label you as, here, let's use my fancy spiritual words. If I label you as you suck, mm-hmm. right, there's nowhere to go from there. Yeah. Nowhere to go from there. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's our, our journey, whether it's our Christian journey or it's our human journey, um, is is how can we advocate for a world where everyone is accepted in their homes? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and our quirkiness and our weirdness and, and, and all of that. And we stop hurting each other because, um, you know, I, I know that my language can hurt too. Uh, I know that I can be not so kind in my marriage some days, yeah. right? Um, I know that I am not, um, <laughs> I am perfect and yet not perfect. Yeah. Um, I am theologically and yet I am, uh, you know, not as well. So, so we, we, we all do cause, cause harm. Um, and I, we need to correct that as quickly as we can. Yeah. Can you hear me? Sorry. Yeah. I, I am, um, I want. I want to come and listen to you speak more. Like everything you're saying, I feel like I have been living and experiencing without really having a guide. <laughs> but I could come and listen to Sarah Bowen talk all day, every day. Like it's just, it is just um, water to a parched soul. Well, and, you know, I think that we are connected now. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so I suspect that we are going to find ourselves in each other's circles frequently. I would and love I that. And I hope that I find some of the people that are listening to this amazing podcast that you've taken the time yes. to together. Um, and we'll reach out to you. We'll reach out to me. I love to hear from people. How how can people find you on the interwebs? Yes. On on. In, just just uh, tap your feet three times. No. Um, <laughs> you can go to, uh, like I said, spiritual-rebel.com. Mm-hmm. And you can also reach me at uh, email at chat at spiritual-rebel.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the upcoming full day in New York and via Zoom anywhere in the universe mm-hmm. uh, where we're going to be talking, doing a lot of spiritual practices, not the demon type. We're going to be doing a lot of awesome stuff, um, talking about modern spirituality, talking about what's going on in the world, uh, talking about how we can support each other uh, in that as well. And um, and then I have some other resources on the site. Uh, if yeah. there's any 12-step listening, I've got some great 12-step resources on there mm-hmm. um, and some links to, to other things. So I, I do love to engage with each other. That's I, that's the point of doing these things. I mean, yeah. creating apps, and writing books and all that stuff. This isn't mm-hmm. about getting rich and famous. Nope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we would have done something else. <laughs> so things cost more than they make sometimes, right? They do. So, they do. So this is about connecting with the people who are listening right now. And yeah. Crystal, thank you for um, for connecting with me. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you on. I'm just so happy to, to, to start this conversation. Yes. And I just want to remind people that you have two books out. So Void of Detached and Spiritual Rebel. And they're oh, both right. on your website. That's right. And Void if Detached is goes through the uh, the Bible, both uh, what you mm-hmm. would call the Old Testament, New Testament, what I would call the Hebrew Bible and the Christian scriptures. Award-winning. Um, award-winning. Uh, Tide Rob Bell. Uh, <laughs> award-winning um, book that goes through the narrative uh, using my father's sermons and using me um, kind of to, to question. Uh, it, it's a questioning the Bible book. Yeah. Um, so if, if folks are interested in the questioning what you've been what, you, what you've been told, uh, you might find that interesting. And if you're interested in practices, 
that help connect you to God, then Spiritual Rebel might might be just what you're looking for. Yes. And if you are a avid reader of the app, you'll definitely love both of those books. So get on that. You know, Sarah is just so amazing, and we had so so many things to talk to you. I decided not to break up the episode, um, and you let me know if you like it better that way or not. Um, on the way out, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to our conversation. Um, you can find her new seven-day devotional on the app. It's called Embracing Spiritual Rebelliousness. Uh, you can follow that link in the show notes as well. And once you're on the app, I want to urge you to subscribe. Um, We wouldn't be able to curate this premium content without your help. We need your help. Um, And so I'm asking and thanking you at the same time for jumping on the app, hitting that subscribe button, um, and enabling us to continue to do this um, into the next year. Um, Next week, I'll be bringing you another kick-ass lady minister who identifies as a border person. So come back to hear us unpack that term and find out more about who who border people are. You know, that's a a new term for me, but I'm super excited about it. Um, Thanks again. Okay, bye.